Let's read together Revelation 4 through 5. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And at once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne were, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like an ox, the second living creature like a lion, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. 
And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Here we have the throne of heaven. And worship is going on. Revelation seeks to take us backstage to history's drama. So the world is going on in its events and our lives are moving forward. And it's as if we're watching a big drama on a stage. And sometimes we're in the drama and sometimes we're observing the drama. And sometimes our character gets in trouble And we don't know what's going on with our life. Why is this happening to me? I don't understand. And there's moments of that tensity, right? And that insecurity in a drama where you're not sure if everything's going to come out okay. But see, we don't always know that it's a drama. We're just going on in life thinking it's never going to end. I'm never going to get out of this. I'm doomed. I'm never going to see the victory. But what Revelation does is it pulls the curtain back to the backstage and invites us to see him who is in control of the drama and all of the components, the lighting, the stagehands, and the actors waiting for their parts, and the piles of scripts and manuscripts for those rehearsing their lines, and all the directors making sure everything happens at the right time in the right place. And when you go backstage and see all of that, suddenly... The drama that's happening on the stage doesn't seem so frightening anymore because you know there's someone who has written the script and that there's someone who's in control of it and that all of it's going somewhere and it's going to have a good ending. But we don't always see that. And that's what Revelation wants us to do is to say, look, what you're going through is the greatest drama of history and there's someone who is running it. Let me pull back the curtain and give you a tour of what kind of hands you're in. And that's what happens when John in chapter 4 verse 1 says that he saw a door standing in heaven open. The curtain is being moved back. And this pastor of churches in Asia Minor, uh, it it was called Asia back then, the western part of Turkey. He was the pastor of all these churches, being a follower of Jesus. And these churches are undergoing persecutions. And John, this pastor, has been exiled from the land to an island called Patmos, where he's been banished basically for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he, knowing the trauma they're going through and what he's going through, 
He is given the privilege of standing backstage and seeing that God is on the throne. And that the churches don't have to worry. Worry gets in the way of our trying to follow God faithfully. It's what happens, worry. When I try to imagine reality with my own vision. Worry is what happens when I try to imagine reality with my own vision. So I go and I realize that finances are short. So what do we do? We begin to have visions, self-fabricated visions of a terrible future. We're going to lose our house. Our kids are going to be begging in the streets. And just you can imagine that it goes down the line, right? Some of us are really vivid imaginations. And when things like this happen, we see, we see the world blowing up by the end of our vision. And this is what worry is. It's when we enter into a situation and we try to determine what is really happening with our own imagination. We develop the vision and we're like, whoa, this is beyond me. And so we worry. And the more we imagine it, we worry even more and more. And it's a, it's a spiral. And it really hinders our following and trusting God. But worship works the exact opposite as we see in these two chapters. Worship is not trying to interpret the world through my imagination. It's interpreting reality through the vision of God on his throne. That's worship. It's when we see reality through his vision. And Revelation is a series of four visions. And each of these visions is doing that. It's God saying, look, I know Caesar is coming down hard with persecution on the church. And I know that you have personal things you're worried about. And I know that your imaginations are making the worry even worse and it's going like crazy. But this is what I want to show you, church. I want to pull the curtain back so that you can see me who is on the throne, exalted, magnified. And I am not worried Do you notice how many times it said the word throne in these two chapters? And that's not even counting the 24 elders thrones. Just the one throne of him who is seated on the throne is mentioned 15 times. That is a boatload of references in two chapters. And Revelation goes on to say throne 40 times. Do we see the center? Do we understand what's happening and there's this throne. And as we read it, it kind of, it starts with, and I entered into heaven, I saw a throne. And that's about all God is ever described as, is one sitting on the throne. But then he goes layer after layer, describing what's happening around the throne. And we see layer after layer, there's these creatures, and there's this rainbow, and there are these 24 elders, and then there's these myriads of myriads of myriads of myriads of angels, and they're all shouting and singing praise, and crowns are being thrown around, and people are falling down off of their thrones, to worship him who's on the throne. And we get this sense that there's this whole enormous, just these concentric circles moving out from the throne so that it is the center and everything in the universe that matters is orbiting around this central throne. And that's what worship does. It reminds us in the middle of our drama that there is a director backstage who's making sure everything is happening exactly as it should. And when we see him on the throne, you can't help but enter into worship. Notice that it does also, 
never talk about God. It doesn't say God was on the throne. It says over and over, him who is seated on the throne, which I found very interesting. And I just prayed with that line all week. Him who is seated on the throne. What does that mean? And then it it, it becomes so evident to me that if I'm to see God on his throne, I want to see him sitting Because when I'm not confident and I'm not in control, I get up and I pace. (laughs) And I think, and I get out my phone and text people, and I get my SOS app going. And, you know, you got all these things happening, and you're trying to figure things out. And But we don't see this from the one who is seated on the throne. We see poise. We see confidence. We see someone who's in control. The drama, if the drama's going out of hand, the director would sure get up and run and get things going and make them right. But nope, the director's just seated. This is going beautifully. I'm enjoying this. And in fact, it goes so far to say in Psalm chapter 2, read this on your own, it's worth read. In Psalm chapter 2, we see that there's a rebellion happening amongst the nations against God. And then in Psalm 2, uh, it's like 4 or 6 or something, it says that he who is seated in the heavens laughs. If God is doing anything as he's seated, he's laughing. Not at us, but with us. And maybe even a little bit as we do when our kids are frustrated trying to figure something out. Just that chuckle of, I know you'll get this and you're okay. This is him who is seated on the throne. Worry doesn't see this. Worry imagines a vacant throne in which some monster is now seating himself and torturing our lives. But worship sees him confidently and calmly seated on the throne. So I think what we should do as we, and we're going to get into the Bible study and, you know, Revelation gets crazy when you do that. But I wanted us just to see the simple vision. And the worship team can come up. The simple vision of what God is doing. And that it is our role as we come to Revelation and we face worry in our lives to see him who is seated on the throne. Notice, I'm not asking you to put God on the throne. I'm asking you to see him on the throne. Because this is what I end up doing. I realize, oh my goodness, I have not been letting God be God. I've been trying to take over the drama and trying to fix my worries. And so then I realize that and I say, I got to get God back on the throne. Where is he? Here he is. Put him on the throne. And I find out I'm now worried about whether or not God's on the throne. And if I've done it right, have I properly surrendered? Is this and I haven't confessed? Am I reading my Bible enough? Am I like worthy? And I'm like worrying, is he on the throne? And then I I just thought about how ridiculous that is. When did God ever get off the throne? I don't have to put him there. And I might think, oh, but I was on the throne, but then all I have to do is look up and realize, oh, I was on a little throne. <laughs> I don't have to put him there. I just have to see him there. Revelation's asking us to go behind the curtain to open our eyes and see where he is and who he is. And that's enough. Let go, throw the crown, and fall down and worship. And let's do that. Let's worship Let's get our hearts there where we go from worry to worship. It's such a better way to live. And it exalts God. So let's do that together, church. And then we'll come back and study these verses, shall we?